There you go. There you go. It is time. Wow. Well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Glad to have you with us today. Welcome to you. Uh, if you're new, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you with us today, worshiping the Lord. Uh, I just want to read some scripture to us to begin our time together. We're going to be, uh, and a little bit later when we get into our message, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10. And I want to read a scripture that we're not going to be in, but, but I think leads into our message today, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, if you have much church background experience, you've probably heard that scripture before. May have been a scripture shared with you when you came to faith in Christ. And encouraging you, hey, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes and amen. What an amazing verse. And I just want to encourage you with that today. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That word everyone, it's a really powerful Greek word there. When it says everyone, it means everyone. And I want you to understand, I want the truth of God's word to come alive in your heart, that means you. You have not outsinned God. You have not outrun God. You have not come to the point where God just says, forget it, I'm moving on to easier stuff. You are not that unfinished project at your house where you just gave up and it's just sitting there undone because it was just too difficult. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And to call on God means that you throw yourself onto him. You call out to him as the only one who can truly help you. And I want to encourage you today, if you have not done that, to do so. Or maybe you need to do that fresh again today. Just right where you are, just call out on the name of the Lord and say, God, I need you. I can't do this. I am helpless and hopeless. I've got nothing in and of myself. I need you. So today, our encouragement, our call is that every one of us today collectively, whether you've been a follower of Christ for decades or you're here today and, and today is your appointed day of salvation. 
Every one of us, I want us to collectively today again call out on the name of our Lord God as the only one who can do anything good in our lives at all. So let's bow our heads together. I want to lead us in a time of prayer. As we go into our time of worship and singing. God, I just pray for us, Lord. This morning, right now, we're going to call out to you. And we believe by faith that every single person who calls out on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I pray, God, for those here today that are not followers of Christ, that came in today not as a Christian, I pray, God, today would be their day. They see you, Jesus, for who you are. They see their need for you. And they call out to you in salvation, asking you that you would save them. And I pray, God, for those here in the room that have been walking with you faithfully for decades, but I pray, God, for a fresh reminder today that only you can do a great work. So that every one of us today collectively just calls out on your name that you would save us, that you would heal us, that you would make us whole, that you would work in our hearts and our lives in ways that only you can. I pray, God, that you would empower us to this today as we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's stand together, guys. Let's worship Jesus. church. Let's worship. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. No see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you He will win. I'm not backing down from any giants. Oh no, I know how this story ends. Yes, we do, Lord. I know how this story ends. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory.
shelter like no other. Your name. Let the nations sing it louder. Nothing has the power to say.
may be seated, church. Gentle and lonely helped me with how to know Christ's heart because I used to think, oh, it was different or I looked at him different, but it really goes into detail about knowing his heart and how he is and, and how he loves me. My prayer changed because now I know, I know he was listening to me before, but now I know he's like there for me. So this class really helped me in that. What I learned in the class, Journey into God's Word, is basic tools into helping me get more out of my daily Bible reading, such as reading a passage several times so I can understand the context of what it meant to the people in Bible times as well as what it could mean to me, as well as learning even just English tips and how things are worded and what words are used so that I can really understand what God's trying to tell me in everyday passages that I might have read a million times. This is a good class to take, and it's really helped me in my journey and trying to understand the Bible more. With Jesus, the mantle of the world, I learned God is uh, uh, your highest treasure. Not to value the things of the world, your true treasure is in heaven. Cindy and I took the Journey into God's Word class to become more astute of God's Word. Um, we have studied Bible um, studies before, and this one was more in depth. It was more challenging. Um, I think it uh, it made you look deeper into the Word versus a casual, what does that mean type thing. And I think what I got out of it was just a deeper sense of who God is. If I forget, what something means or I'm looking for something. I I learned the tools to 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 find what it means. I learned where to go. Um so that I don't I don't have to be deceived, which I think is the biggest thing, especially today. Um I want to know God's word. I want to know who he is and what his promises are to me and for me and for the world. And I can't do that just by just by reading a couple of chapters um and then getting up journey to god's word class taught me a lot about how to read the bible um from the beginning to the end not just the paragraph um also the words that there's in there um how to understand them what they really mean um and encouraged me to read the bible more um to understand it not just to read it like to read it um it helped me in that way um, I really enjoy that class. Oh, all right. Well, for all of our equipped classes as they're beginning up here for the fall, we want to encourage you to be a part of those. We have a whole list of classes provided for you. Uh, you heard there uh, some testimonies about gentle and lowly. It's a class that teaches on the heart of Christ, who Christ is. As you understand who Christ is, you're drawn to him, journeying into God's word. How do you study the Bible? How do you really see what God's word is saying to you? What does it mean for you? How do you, how, how do you seek to get what God is trying to truly say to you? And a whole uh, marriage classes, parenting classes, 
all kinds of things set up for you there. So you can go on uh, your phone and text the word EQUIP. You'll get a, a link sent to you with a list of all of our classes. Sign up today. You will be greatly encouraged. I guarantee it. Please do that. Uh, we believe that's just a real powerful discipling tool that we have. So please remember to do that, and we'll chat a little bit more about that at the end as well. But don't forget that text EQUIP so you can get signed up for those classes. They begin here this fall. All right, hey, if you've got a Bible, let's find Romans chapter 10 together, all right? Romans chapter 10. So we are going through a series we're calling The Story, and the idea behind it is this. We want to see the big story of God's Word, what God is doing beginning to end in His Word. And as you understand the big story of what God's doing, you're able to really see it, have it all come together. And so what we saw is, in all of this, there is a God, we've sinned against him, and he, the entire Old Testament is about God pursuing salvation, right? So God picks a man named Abraham, he and his wife have a son Isaac, Isaac has kids who have kids who have kids, and eventually become the nation of Israel, and God chooses through the nation of Israel to bring a Savior, and we see ultimately that Savior is Jesus, right? So Jesus comes as our Savior, dying on the cross for our sin, to take away the sin that separated us from God, that has caused rebellion against God, to make us one with God again, to bring us into the family of God. And then as he does that, he puts us, as we're saved into the family of God, he then creates a family known as the church. And God puts us in a church like this. And we're to live life together in a church like this, discipling one another in the Lord, encouraging one another in the Lord. And then also, what we're going to see today, taking this message that Jesus has given us and proclaiming it all the way to the ends of the earth. And next week we'll wrap up this series and finish. And, and what we'll see next week is... This plan that Jesus has to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, it's going to get accomplished. It's going to happen. So as you look through the entire Bible, what you see from the very beginning is God's plan has been to see his message of salvation go to the very ends of the earth. In Genesis chapter 12, when he calls Abraham, he says, Through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. When Jesus is about to ascend up into heaven, he gives the great commission. In Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all the nations. In Acts 1.8, he tells them the Spirit of God is going to come upon you and make you my witnesses. And I want you to take this message all the way to the ends of the earth. This is his consistent call throughout the entire Bible. It's a push forward for missions. In fact, as you go through the book of Acts, you'll get to Acts chapter 10, which is a massive turning point in the entire story of the Bible. Acts 10 cannot be un misunderstood as, as, as less significant than it is. It's powerful. In Acts chapter 10, you have Peter. He's on a roof, having his quiet time, and as he's doing that, an angel appears to him, right? Comes to him with this vision of lowering down a sheet and all these sorts of things. In essence, what he tells him is, Peter, I want you to go proclaim the gospel to those who now who are not Jews. Now, up until this point, Christianity was a very Jewish thing. Jesus was a Jew. It was birthed out of Judaism. It was birthed out of the nation of Israel. They saw Christianity as just an natural outflow of being Jewish. This is the Messiah that the Jewish people have been longing for, been looking for. Now here he is. In Acts chapter 10, God tells Peter, okay, now I want you to jump out of Judaism and go tell them. And Peter says, oh, oh, pump the brakes, God. Which if you've read your Bible, it's not the first time Peter was like, I got a better idea than God, right? 
So he says, whoa, God, I don't know about that. God has to rebuke him a little bit. And sends him to a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is not a Jew. But at the meantime, he doesn't realize Cornelius is having a dream. And God is telling Cornelius, hey, there's a dude named Peter. He's going to come to your house. Listen to everything he tells you. So Peter shows up to Cornelius, comes to his house, proclaims the gospel to Cornelius. He and his family come to faith in Christ, receive the Holy Spirit. And just like that, something cataclysmic shifts. A massive turn happens in the story of the Bible. So now the gospel intentionally goes not just among the Jewish people, but intentionally now goes out to the ends of the earth. And we're introduced to a man named Paul, Saul, and then turns into Paul, the Apostle Paul. And the entire back half of Acts is basically following Paul, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, my mission, my goal in life is to preach the gospel to the nations. In Romans 15, Paul says, my desire is to go proclaim the gospel where no one's heard about Jesus before. You know, when we think about Paul, if you've been in church, we think of Paul like a theologian, and, and indeed he is, but a lot of times we will go to Paul's writings in Romans and Galatians and Ephesians to get really deep, deep theological truth. In fact, Peter is going to write, hey, uh, in, in the book First Peter, Peter says, you know, that stuff that Paul writes, that stuff hurts my brain. Like, I don't understand a lot of things that he writes, which makes me feel good because I don't understand a lot of that stuff either. But Paul, if you were to sit down and have a cup of coffee with Paul, I don't think he would consider himself first and foremost a theologian. I think he would consider himself first and foremost a missionary. Because his vision, his goal, his mission in life was to take the gospel to those who have never heard. That's all he wanted to do, right? And so... Just like that was the plan from the very beginning with Abraham, just like that was Jesus' call on his disciples, just like that was Paul's call, my big push for today is this. This is our call as well. This is God's call in our life. Talk about the story of God. How you find your place in the story of God is finding the way in which you are used by God to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. If we as a church do not seek to not just have missions be that thing that we have over here where a handful of people go do a trip once in a while. If it's just that, we have ceased to be a legitimate Bible-believing church. Like, it can't be that. It's got to be infinitely more than that. Missions, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, cannot be that thing that happens over here with those people. It's got to be the air we breathe. Because what I'm going to hopefully from the scripture shores today is... That's what God says. All right, so Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. And here's the amazing thing that I want you to understand. Here's, here's the powerful truth that I'm praying wrecks me and everyone here as well as we see it in God's word today. So again, as you read the book of Romans, Romans has a lot of hard stuff in it. I mean, it gets really, really thick. And in Romans chapter 9... It tells you this powerful and glorious truth that God is the only one who can save you. You don't get saved by any way other than God miraculously doing so through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You are, Romans 9 says, you are miraculously and supernaturally saved by God, and that's it. 
If you go to heaven, it's because God in his grace and glory saved you. You did nothing to deserve it, nothing to earn it. You didn't, you wasn't like, oh, I need that guy on my team. Right? God is not in the ad business looking for superstars to help him sell toothpaste. Right? He didn't pick you because you're awesome. He saved us just out of his grace. And so Romans 9 is we're saved just by God's grace. Just by God's grace. We do nothing. God just saves us. That's it. But then in Romans 10 it's going to say, but then the only way God does that is if we go tell people about it. And the, the, the point of Romans 9 and 10 is supposed to make your brain go, only God can save. And God only saves when you go tell people. Right? Only God can save. But God only saves when you go tell people. And that's where we get Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Let's just read these two verses, and then we're going to kind of pick them apart a little bit here this morning. Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. All right, very quickly, I want to break this down into just two quick categories, all right, just to kind of help set this up for us. Big truth number one is this. The only hope for every person in the world is hearing and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only hope for every person in the world is hearing and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to specifically set that in the context of missions out there. There are currently about 7 billion people that live on planet Earth. It's projected that two-thirds of them openly profess not being Christians. And through the Joshua Project, it's a, a missionary, missional uh, research group. They think that half of those are what's called unreached. So here's what that means. Currently right now, by our best stats, 2.2 billion people on earth will be born, live, and die. More than likely, never even meeting a Christian. Never even meeting one. They don't have a church on their corner. They don't have a pastor. They're not podcasting 14 billion preachers every week. 2.2 billion people will be born, live, and die. And never have any opportunity, more than likely, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what box do we put that in? How do we come to grips with this? That over 2 billion people have little to no access to the gospel at all. And at the same time, though, Romans 10, 14 is going to be abundantly clear. 
The only way they ever come to faith in Christ is if they hear and believe the gospel. What do we do with that? It, it feels almost unfair. Can we just be honest? And I know we're in church and this is no place to be honest, but let's give it a shot for just a second. The only way you come to saving, to salvation, the only way you experience heaven and not hell is if you hear and believe the gospel. So there are currently two billion plus people on earth that aren't going to be able to do that. And they're going to die and go to hell. How's that fair? How's that fair? Well, a couple of things. Um, number one. So if you're, we're in the book of Romans. If you were to back up to chapter one of Romans, it's going to tell you a couple of things. It's going to tell you, number one, that we are only held responsible for what we know. We're only held responsible for what we know. So to that, some might hear that and go, well, okay then. So here's the plan. You're only responsible for what you know. And so if we don't tell them the gospel, then they're not going to hear the gospel and have a chance to reject the gospel. And then we'll just trust God and his grace to save them. Which is kind of what a lot of people honestly think. Well, if they hear the gospel and then they know it and they say, no, I don't want that. Well, now they're condemned. But if we don't tell them, maybe it'll be all right. Here's going to be the problem there. Romans chapter 1 says, Everything that we do know about God from creation and our own conscience, every single human being rejects. Romans is clear. Every single person on earth has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the 2.2 billion people who don't have any access to the gospel, they're no different than you and I. What they do know about God from creation, what they do know about God from their own conscience inside of them, they reject and suppress and push down and chose their own way rather than God. No one is without excuse. The whole point of Romans chapter 1, Paul's talking about the other nations. And he says, even them, they're without excuse. Every single person is judged the same. Every person is born into rebellion against God. Every person is a glory thief. Glory that is rightfully due to God, we take for ourselves. We heap on ourselves. We pursue our own ways. Every single one of us. They're no different. The only hope 2.2 billion people have is the gospel. They're condemned because they we're born into a rebellion against God that they are consciously pursuing. They may not understand who God is or what it is they're rejecting, but they're rejecting nonetheless. The only hope they have is the same hope you and I have, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This has to be foundational. This, we must understand this. I want you to think 2.2 billion people. See that in front of your face. 2.2 billion people. Uh, Joseph Stalin, who I don't quote um, from sermons a lot, but Stalin said, when one person dies, it's a tragedy. When a million people die, it's just a statistic. What he means by that is, when it's just one person dying, you look in their eyes. You know their name. You know that someone with a mom and a dad, family. And so it tugs at your heartstrings. 
when a million people die, it's just sort of this mass of humanity, and it's weird. It's easy to sort of emotionally disconnect from that. Does that make sense? Like, he was wicked, but he was smart with that. There's something about big numbers that causes us to kind of disconnect. And when you hear 2.2 billion people with no access to the gospel, that's easy to think. That's just a statistic. But I want you to remember that's 2.2 billion people, just like you and I, created in the image of God with hopes and dreams and fears. People with families, people who love them, people who one day are going to die and stand before God just like you and I. They're people, they're souls. 2.2 billion of them, they matter. And their only hope is hearing and believing the gospel. That's it. There's nothing else. Education is not going to save them. Clean water is not going to save them. Helping overthrow their government and put another one in its place is not going to save them. The only thing that will is hearing and believing the gospel. Which brings us to point number two. The only way a person can hear and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is if someone tells them. Look at that last line of verse 14. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? That word preach there, caruso, uh, it just means someone to proclaim a thing. So he, let, me, let me deconstruct something just for a moment, all right? So when it says the word preacher, it's easy for you to think about one dude in the room right now. Me, right? It's really easy to do. Like, well, preacher, great, put him on a plane, let's go! Check! But when it's talking about a preacher there, it's just talking about anyone, man, woman, child, who proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what he's saying there... How are they to hear so that they can believe without someone telling them? And how's someone going to tell them if there aren't people who send them? What he's trying to help us understand is this. God in his glory, his amazing, unbelievable... Have you ever seen God do something and you scratch your head and think, I feel like there would have been a better way? Just be honest, right? We already know. I feel like it would have been a better way. This is one of those that I think, really? I feel like there was a better way. Right? The most important message in the universe. The only hope anyone has on earth. He places in the hands fallen, sinful, selfish people like us. Why did he do that? What is up with that? Well, I think the reason is this. The point why he placed it in our hands is because if we're the ones who received, if we're the ones who were changed, if we're the ones who saw the glory and majesty of God and how awesome Jesus is and were changed by him, then we're going to be the ones who want to go tell. Read through the book of Acts. You won't find a single time where the gospel is proclaimed apart from a person. Angels don't do it. 
Rocks don't do it. Dreams don't do it. Even Cornelius, he had a dream, and the dream said, a man is going to come and talk to you. Listen to him. It's always this way. It's always through the mouthpiece of people that God has already gloriously saved. One of the great heresies of the American church is this idea of calling. So we think of calling, right, as this special thing that people who do this for a living get, right? Like, well, you, so we ask, so a, a, as we go through, you know, bringing on pastors or whatever, what do you ask? So tell me about your calling. And what are we asking? What are you looking for? You're asking them to explain some time where God clearly told them, go do this. Right? And so there are special people who have the calling, right? Professional pastors and professional missionaries, they're the ones that get the calling. The rest of us, your job is just to do the best you can and come to church, pay your tithes, be good, and uh, we'll see you in heaven. And, and the problem with that is going to be that's not the way the Bible sees it. When the Bible here says, who's going to go? He's talking to you. Who's going to tell them? He's talking to you. In John chapter 20, when Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He's telling you something. When you trust by faith in Christ, when you're made new by Christ, you are at that moment being sent out by Christ just like he was. You are being sent. You are to live sent. You are on a mission. You are, by definition, a missionary. The great Charles Spurgeon, and it wouldn't be a sermon here if I didn't quote Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, every single Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And there's a point in my own life where I hear that, and it is extraordinarily convicting. And I hope it is for you too. We're all sent. We're all commissioned. We're all called. And if you hear that and think, but that feels like a lot. Like, I'm not equipped for that. That is not my deal. I cannot do that. I don't mind helping do these other things, but I cannot go do that. I want to encourage you. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus called his first disciples, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say follow me and then go figure out how to fish for men. He said, follow me, and I'll make you this. I'll do this in you. I'll grow you and equip you and shape you and change you. Follow me, and I'll make you this. If you're following Christ, trust him that he will make you the fisher of men he's called you to be. That he will empower you to live the sent life. So in John 15, Jesus says, Everyone that he's called, he's called us that we would bear fruit. He's chosen us and appointed us that we would go and bear fruit. This is God's call on you. You have a call. How are they to know unless we tell them? They can't. Their only hope is Christ. And the only hope of them hearing about Christ is if we tell them. We must see this as the the great call of God. 
Martin Luther, the, the reformer, said, it would not matter if Jesus died a thousand times on the cross if no one ever told anyone about him. It doesn't matter if he died a thousand times if we don't go tell the 2.2 billion that he did. This is God's call. Did he go? And again, how, how does this work in us? How does this work for us being called by God? A, a scripture that I quote here all the time. I work it into sermons constantly. It's Matthew 13, 44. It's a little parable in the Gospels Jesus is teaching. And he says in Matthew 13, 44, there's a man. He's walking through a field. He finds a treasure. He doesn't own the field. He finds a treasure. He wants a treasure. So he buries the treasure, goes and sells all that he has with joy, and then goes skipping along his way to buy this field with the treasure. And the idea behind the parable is this. When you see how glorious of a treasure God is, you give everything up for him. Everything. My wife and I were spending some time this morning in prayer for you. And um, we seek to do that every Sunday morning, spend the time praying for you as we gather together because we believe something amazing happens when God's people come together. And so we, we're, we're praying for that. So, so we're praying. And uh, she said, you know, last week we um, sang that song, I Surrender All. And she said, that, that song has wrecked me all week because I just started thinking, how much we lie when we sing songs in church. I mean, that song said, freely, I surrender everything. I mean, how many of us were here last week and, and you just mouthed the words? I, I kind of did. The point is, when you see how glorious and amazing Christ is, you freely give up everything and push all your chips in because you want to see him be glorified and so you do anything that he tells you to do to see him glorified and the way that he is glorified is by the 2.2 billion people hearing and proclaiming allegiance to him this is how it's done this is why in verse 15 it ends Quoting Isaiah 52, it says there in verse 15, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Can we just talk about that verse for a second? So when I read that verse, how beautiful are the feet, has there ever been a time in your life where you thought, you know what I think is the most beautiful part of the body? Feet. Right? Said no one ever. Right? If you're in here right now and you're a feet person, you're a freak, okay? You... You are weird, you need help, and probably medication, all right? No one's ever thought that. No one. But God says, how beautiful are the feet who do what? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So where this came from is, so the word Good news, Iwan again, that word preach, Caruso, it, it, there's some ancient Greek connections there. So as a battle happened, a king went into battle with his army, they won the battle, he would send a runner back to town, proclaiming the good news of the victory their king has brought them. 
And these runners were considered heroes. Not because they won the battle, but because they're telling everybody about the battle that the king won for them. Does that make sense? And so this runner going ahead, proclaiming this amazing good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who come bringing that good news. And that's the way he's describing us proclaiming the gospel to those 2.2 billion people. How beautiful are the feet of those who are going to go do that. Because we see how glorious Christ is. And he's a treasure that we desire. And we want other people to see how glorious he is. So we go running and making sure we do everything we can to tell as many people as possible about this glorious and amazing good news. So how do we do that? What does that look like? Uh, I'll give you three things to kind of handlebars, all right? Pray, give, go. If you've been here for long, you've heard me say these things before. How we can all be involved. Every single one of us has a role to play in Romans 10, 14, and 15. Every single one of us. There isn't a person Breathing oxygen in this room right now who isn't called by God to see the gospel go out to those 2.2 billion people who will be born, live, and die with no gospel witness. Every person in this room right now has a calling on their life to do something about that. Every one of us. And if you want to say, I'm not sure about that, I'd love to have a cup of coffee and hear that. Because I can't find it in the Bible. Every one of us. But how do we do that? What does that look like? Every one of us can, can pray, give, or go. So pray. One of the things that I would encourage you to do is the IMB, that's the International Mission Board, that's the International Missions Organization for the Southern Baptist Convention that we're a part of. They have an app called IMB Pray. What this is going to do is lay out for you how you can pray specifically for these unreached, unengaged people groups. So every day you'll get to go on and click, and it'll give you a little prayer prompt. You can pray. This is not the only way the gospel is going to go out is through prayer. The only way the people who take the good news are going to be empowered to see anyone come to faith in Christ is through prayer. This is not just that thing we set aside, well, at least I can pray. All I can do is pray. What? All I can do is talk to the sovereign God of the universe and ask him to do a thing only he can do. Who will? Pray. Be on your face before God. Praying. God to a work, God stirring hearts, God prepare them so that when they hear, they receive. God, do the work. Pray. Second, give. We'll be coming up here in the next couple of months with our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That's again the Southern Baptist International Mission Board. This is what we do every year to raise money for international missions. Every dime you give for that leaves this church and goes to the International Mission Board to help push forward missionaries all around the world to see those 2.2 billion people reached. I'm asking you now, begin praying how you can give sacrificially and generously to that like you never have before. 
We've blown through every goal we've set for ourselves the last several years. Praise God for that. But it's time that we bust past that. We can give. It matters. 2.2 billion people are going to born, live, and die, never hearing the gospel. And, and maybe they live in places that we physically can't go, but we can help support people who will. So everybody has a role to play. Someone is going to go down into the hole. But someone needs to stand up top holding the rope so that guy can go down. Does that make sense? And we can hold the rope in prayer and in giving. You can hold that rope so someone else can go down and proclaim the gospel to people who have no hope other than Christ. And then third, go. Go. I want you to go. Unashamedly, I want you to go. Every person in this room needs to have an up-to-date passport. Every person in this room needs to have your yes on the table. And you're ready to go. I desire every person in this room to at least give an attempt. Start with a short-term trip. Go. Go. The trips that we have on the schedule right now, we can't, if everyone decided to go, we wouldn't have enough room. So you know what? We start more trips. We go. I told you when I first came, my vision here for us as a church is we get to the point where 40 plus weeks out of the year, someone from our church is somewhere in the world sharing the gospel. It's like oxygen. It's like breathing. We're always sending out, and we're always bringing them back in. And we're always sending them out, and we're always bringing them back in. It's not this unique and special 10-day thing in July. It's just what we do. It's the air we breathe. Missions is our life. We believe God called us to see 2.2 billion people have a chance to hear the gospel. So we go a lot, all the time. Start the short-term trip. And, and, and I would focus here, just for a quick second, I'm going to focus on three groups of people super quick. Number one, students. If you are a student, graduating high school or currently in college, I want you to strongly consider taking some time off of school and let us put you somewhere in the world, spending six months to a year sharing the gospel. I want you to strongly consider that. And I know mom and dad, listen, a part of what we need to do here is pray that we will repent because we have a life planned out for our kids. We don't want them to struggle like we struggled. We don't want them to do this. So we got a plan, right? They're going to graduate high school and go to a good school with a good major and get a good job. And then they're going to find a good spouse and have a good family and live in a good house in a good neighborhood and go to a good church. And that's good. But what if God desires great? And what if great looks different than our good? Uh. My wife and I, we have a strong connection with um, uh, Mormons. It's weird. It's our thing. It's kind of our mission field. And so we have a lot of connections with Mormons. We, we, um, we try to have the Mormon missionaries in our house as much as possible. If those dudes knock on your door, here's what I want you to do. Invite them in. Make them a nice meal. I'm, we always fix breakfast for them because I know they don't drink caffeine, so they're not going to drink my coffee. Right? So we always like, hey, why don't you come over for breakfast? Right? Um, invite them in. They, they are 2,000 miles away from their family. Now, they've changed it now. It used to be. It's been changed now. It used to be that they could only call home 
only hear their family's voice Christmas Day and Mother's Day. That was it. Father's Day, sorry. They've changed that a little bit now because I think some moms were like, Sue, I just heard from a prophet too, all right? And I'm going to need my son to call me. Here's my thing. So as we meet with these families and hang out with these families, so where we were used to live, we, we met a Mormon family and got a chance to kind of spend a little time with them, and they were very Mormon. I mean, like 12 kids, all blonde hair and blue eyes. I mean, like they're, they're Mormon. And so we go over and we eat dinner with them. We're hanging out with them and meeting their family. And um, he called us over for dinner because we were um, sharing the gospel with their missionaries, and they were starting to attend our church, and it freaked them out. So he's like, hey, why don't we have dinner? So, so we came over to the house for dinner. And we're sitting around talking, and, and uh, he's pointing out all of his kids, and I think all the names started with J, right? And like, Jedediah, and Joseph, and Jenga, and whatever. So, and, and, and so he's going through the line, and he says, um, so that's our son, you know, Joe Bob, and he, uh, he's heading out for his, for his mission next month. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so how does that work? He's like, well, um, he, we started a fund for him when he was born. And uh, every month in his allowance, he puts money aside for his own mission, and now he's going to have money for his mission. Wow. He said, yeah, the thing that we love about our missions is um, they leave our houses as boys, but they have to spend two years defending their faith, and then they come back after that, men ready to marry our daughters. I thought, dude, if, if, if I didn't know you were a cult, I would sign up right now, right? That's That's amazing. And here's my question, and I, I've said this semi-jokingly. I'm all for the Mormonization of our church in that if they can send their kids off for a lie, if they could send their kids away for a lie, what do we do for the truth? What do we do for the truth? So if you're a student, I, now listen, that may not, this isn't going to be for everybody, and there are going to be reasons why that can't happen for you, and I get that. This is not, I'm not laying down some God told me a law. But, but I do think you should at least ask God. Is this something that he would want you to do? And if that's something that you feel like God might be leading you to, we will help you do that. We will help you do that. Give a year. Give a year. And then you're going to come back and you go to that school and you're going to have fun. You're going to do the college thing. You're going to have a blast. You're going to get out and you're going to get your job and get married. You're going to do all that stuff. But hopefully you do all those things as someone with a heart and burn and passion for the glory of God going to the nations. Students, pray. A uh, second group that I would encourage to specifically pray about this are our retired folk. Listen. Can we rethink retirement for a moment? It's not that you now get a chance to sit back and do nothing because you did your time. Now God's finally given you time to go be about the mission. Now God's finally given you the time. It's not the opportunity for you to take a step back and let those younger guys go do it. It's no, now you're freed up to go get the work done. And again, if you're a retired person... And you say, you know what, we've got the time. How do we do that? We will help you get there. We will help you do that. Spending time. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month, maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year. Where you say, we're going to go be about the business. We're going to go be about our father's business just like Jesus.
And, and, and the third group I would ask to specifically be praying about this um, are military personnel. I want you to pray about them. Here's why. I believe God has uniquely and providentially placed us as a church in a place. I believe Fayetteville and Cumberland County has the opportunity to be the number one sending area in the world. I believe we could send more missionaries from our community than any place on earth. I think where we live, has the opportunity to put a dent in 2.2 billion. Here's why I say that. If you're in the military, at some point, they're going to kick you out. You're going to need a second gig. And you're going to be young. If you do a long military career, you're out at 40, 45, maybe? Right? At the time where everybody else has hit their career, you're trying to figure out another one. And that's not easy. And a lot of guys sputter. A lot of Christian men struggle. And I'm not saying that this is what God wants you to do. But I'm at least asking, can we create a culture in our church where if you are serving in the military, you at least ask God if missions is the next step for you? I mean, you're going to need another job. Right? You're, you're going to need something. I guess you can go into contract work like everyone says you should. Or you could ask God. And maybe he tells you to go into contract work and be a follower of Christ there and tell people about Jesus there, and that's great. And he will tell many of you to do that. But there are some God's going to say, no, i got a different plan. Could it be that many have not gone because they never thought that that was even something to ask God about? Never even crossed their mind. Listen, there are 2.2 billion people who are in need of the gospel. And I believe we have the resources in this room to at least do our part in advancing the kingdom. It may feel like a tiny little drop in a bucket. It may feel like a tiny little drop in the ocean. But we can at least do our part where we stand one day and say, we did what we could do. And then, I want you to see what happens at the end. Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. This is a picture of heaven. I'm going to ask our band to come up. And this is a picture of heaven. Look what happens. Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is a picture of heaven. And look who's there. People from every nation and every tongue and every tribe. Here's what I want you to get. God is going to fulfill His word. He is going to fulfill his promise. He is going to see people from every nation in heaven trusting by faith in Christ. How great is it that we get to be a part of a mission that God's already promised is going to succeed? You know it's going to. He's already written it down. It's going to work. Give yourself to it. Give yourself to it. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. And... 
as we finish our time together, Think about the fact that Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose again to save you. And you trusted by faith in Christ. And you were made new with Christ. And now there are those around us who need to hear that Jesus paid it all. Jesus did it. Jesus paid the price. Jesus canceled it. So now you can be free from your sin child of God since Jesus paid it all for you since Jesus laid down his life for you aren't you and I called to lay down our lives for him whatever that might mean however he may lead us the story of God is his gospel going to the ends of the earth the only way we find our place in that story is if we take part in seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth through praying, through giving, through going. It's on our hearts. It's in our minds. It's the, it's the air we breathe. We, we desire this. We love it. We pursue it because we love and desire and pursue him. So we love what he loves and we do what he does and we chase what he chases and that's the nation. Lord God, I ask you that you would stir our hearts for this here this morning. Stir in us, God, a love for you that draws us to see others love you as well. I pray, God, that we would meditate today on the fact that you paid it all. You did everything so that we could be set free and then proclaim that freedom to those to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together. This altar is open. You can come forward and pray. Whatever you'd like. But let's take some time meditating on this idea that Jesus paid it all so that we could be free and proclaimers of that freedom to the world around us. Let's sing.
have a seat guys well as we as we finish up our time here this morning um, a couple things one if you're a guest with us welcome we're so glad that you're here worshiping with us thus by grabbing your cell phone and texting the word connect to our number 910-424-1298 text connect so you can stay plugged in with you but for everyone here we've got three big announcements to know what's going on number one is this deacon nomination Thank you so much for those who have turned those in. Please continue to do so by texting the word deacon to our number. You can sign up through that and suggest a name uh, to serve as a deacon. Second, breakfast. We've got men's breakfast on September 10th. Guys, you can sign up for that by texting bacon. Ladies, we've got a breakfast for you the next Saturday, September 17th. You can sign up by texting breakfast. All right. And then lastly, our equipped classes. We saw that earlier today. Sign up, text equip to our number. You can sign up that way to know everything that's going on, all the classes that we have, and how you can get signed up for those. We really encourage you to do that, to 
It's a phenomenal discipleship tool that we're able to put together for you. Please take advantage of that. And then for everything else, every other announcement, you can download our app, iTunes or Google Play. That's how you can stay connected with everything that's going on. You can give online through that app or in the giving boxes, whatever works for you. But that's the best way to stay connected. So let me first and we'll close our time together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you came and you pursued us and now give us the mission to go see others pursued by you as well. I pray, God, you'll take that, bless that, use that, allow fruit to come from that for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. You are so glorious and amazing. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.